Welcome to The Fight with Teddy Atlas, presented by Dynamic Striking. I'm Ken Rideout, joined as always by the voice of MMA, the great Teddy Atlas. Teddy, how you doing? I'm doing good. Uh, I always wonder when you say that, what what the <laughs> MMA people think when he says that. What? <laughs> I bet you half of them are happy and the other half are like, I'm going to kill this guy when I see him. Uh, a lot of people might just disagree. <laughs> say, he's not the voice of the MMA. And That's not okay. understand that we're smiling when we say it. Um, so, another speaking of MMA, another good card for the UFC. That's right. Big pay-per-view fight. Derek Lewis, Surreal Gun headlining. Really entertaining event. Especially after... Um, I think they lost a co-main. I forget who it was, but someone got COVID. Um, so they moved Aldo and Munoz up to the co-main, and it was like lived up to the hype. Awesome action. Oh, it, it did. Um, regarding the voice of the M- the voice of MMA comment, though, real quick, you know that um, Michael Jackson, he dubbed himself the king of pop, and eventually he became the king of pop. Well, I'm dubbing you the voice of MMA, and eventually people are going to be like, oh, yeah, it's the voice of MMA, Teddy Yeah, Atlas. I think that's the first time I've ever been joined <laughs> together with some kind of comparison with Michael Jackson. <laughs> hey, two greats. Yeah, he was great. <laughs> oh, their, my in goodness. Their, in their profession. Was he great? And he was great <laughs> from the beginning. I mean, as a, you yep. talk about a prodigy, he was a prodigy. You talk about starting young. You know, we talk about fighters starting young, like... Uh, a guy like Lomachenko, great fighter, you know, started with his father. Uh, when he came out of the crib, they joked about that he had gloves ready for him, started young. Uh, you got Tiger Woods, again, the great Tiger Woods, started by his father, coming out of the crib, basically. You're going to be great, training him when he was a little baby. Uh, you got you got so many of these uh, great fighters that have started so young, uh, and no different... I guess in in most things, entertainment business. Michael Jackson, he was he was singing hits. Correct me if I'm wrong. I'm not saying you're an expert on it, but uh, he was about six, seven years old. But I mean, he, yep. Uh, am I correct? Am I in the right neighborhood? Definitely in the right neighborhood. I don't know. I mean, I'm not a, uh, an expert on Michael Jackson per se, but um, I will say this. He obviously had his uh, own demons outside of entertainment and music. But when it came to music and entertainment, my God, the guy, if he was a boxer, they'd say he had great legs. That guy could dance like <laughs> my kids still watch those YouTube videos. They, 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 they think it's um, video editing. When I show them uh, videos of Michael Jackson moonwalking, they can't get enough. Of yeah, it. I mean, listen, obviously he did have his demons. But when we're talking about whether we're talking about you know, great fighters, we're talking about uh, great entertainers, we're talking about great golfers, right? You know, whatever we're talking about, which I did bring up, uh, we're talking about just their greatness in their field. Uh, you're right. right. And and their greatness, what it, you know, what, what it, you know, the level of greatness. And Michael Jackson, he was a pioneer in the pop world. I mean, he, he was. His dancing, his moves... Uh, I didn't know this was going to be a Michael Jackson piece that we were going to start <laughs> with, but he, uh, I mean, he was a prodigy. He was, he was, he was unbelievable at such a. And listen, some of that stuff there's there's a price to pay for putting that kind of pressure on somebody so young. Uh, we we're not going to get into that either. But uh, I think it's fair to 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 touch that that there's there is a price to pay when there's that much pressure put on a kid. A kid, 
to to be something that most kids aren't, uh, something way beyond being a kid, way beyond playing with you know toys, uh, you know, and and the, some of the special ones that's their travel, that's their journey, that that was put on them, that they did have to do other things than being a child when they were still a child, and uh, but Jackson for his singing, his his dancing, his uh, his ring presence, as I say about fighters, his stage presence, he had it all. It was pretty amazing. So, uh, yep. but getting back to the world of UFC, uh, as they usually do, they delivered they delivered a damn good card. They delivered a yes. a damn good card. And you know what? I I take this moment before I let you bring us into it, Ken to do a little teasing, as they say in the business, where talking about guys starting young, one of the great fighters, my pound-for-pound pound best fighter right now on the list is Terrence Crawford. I know a lot of people have Canelo on there. Um, some people might have Spence. Some people in Nui, Inoue, the Japanese great fighter. Uh, I have all of them. I have all of them there, but you have to have somebody number one. And I have Crawford number one. I know a lot of people complain, well, he hasn't fought this guy, he hasn't fought that guy. But um, but what he's done in that ring speaks for itself. He's won three titles at three different weight classes. Uh, he was the first one to, to win four belts at one time. Uh, he's pretty damn special. And he started, if I'm not... We learned something. I'll, I'll get to it in a second. The people will see what I'm, where I'm going. But he started when he was about, I believe, seven years old, six or seven years old. Right. I mean, so you talk about the great ones starting young. Most of them, not all of them, but most of them start pretty damn young. And we did an interview with him, and it'll be up on Thursday, I believe, during the week. And I would just say, listen, I know it's self-promoting. I understand that, uh, and and everybody does it, but I'm really not doing it solely for that purpose. I really, honestly, am doing it for people that don't know Terrence Crawford as a person. That if you listen to that interview that we did, and it'll be up Thursday, you're gonna you're gonna learn things about him, and I think you're gonna learn things that are gonna surprise you in a good way, in a very good way. And going to kind of enlighten you, if you will, about the true Terrence Crawford, uh, who he is, what he is, how he got there. And uh, I think you'll enjoy it. So take it away, Kenny, babe. All right. Let's get into the UFC. Um, it was UFC 265, Lewis versus Gone, starting the main card. Let's get into it with um, Song Yudong. Taking on Casey Kenny, Sonya Dong coming off a recent loss, gets back in the win column with the um, split decision victory over Casey Kennedy. Oh, Casey Kenny, great fight, a lot of action. Would you say? Is it okay, being that we just talked about entertainment about the great Michael Jackson singing? If I just refer to him as song, yes, very okay. Fair. Thank you. I just want to get that permission. Um, so he was the busier guy. There's, there's no doubt about it. First of all, it was a really good fight, a close fight, and a fight where you need good judges. Yeah, I said it. 
You need good judges. I'm not knocking these guys. I have no problem knocking judges. Everyone out there knows it. No problem when they deserve to be knocked. And no problem applauding them and giving them credit when they deserve that. That happens, you know, once a millennium. And I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Fooling around. It happens at least as often as Haley's Comet. And I'm just kidding with that. But this was a really close fight. Different styles. So you had to have... You had to understand the criterion for scoring, and you had to really have a good eye as a judge. Song was busier, no arguing. But Kenny did some really good, he did a hell of a good job placing accurate timed shots where it might not catch your eye, but it'll catch your opponent's attention, I'll tell you that much. (laughs) It'll catch his attention. And that was the case here. Song busy. Volume versus calculated shots. Volume of song, the busy guy, versus the calculated shots of Kenny. Song also did, as I often refer to and did refer to when I was calling the fights all those years at ESPN, he did a good job at putting water in the basement. Good body work. Good body work. And um, maybe the judges appreciated that to their credit. As I said, close fight. I thought Song pulled it out in the third uh, with combinations, uh, some water in the basement, as I said. Very close. Could have went either way for me. Even a draw, maybe. I'm not arguing with the decision. So anybody out there thinks that I'm arguing, I'm not. I'm just pointing out my perspective on it, that it was very close. Uh, how'd, you, how'd you like it, Ken? I liked it. I thought that the, I thought I had I had song with a slight advantage. I I was happy with the decision. I thought it was fair. I mean, I had no preference as to who won. No, going into the fight, I just it was an entertaining fight. Yeah, it was. It it it, it was. And uh, it's the kind of fight that uh, I say this with trepidation. With I, I say this cautiously, but I say it. Maybe I'm not completely right, but it's the fight kind of fight and loss that shouldn't hurt Kenny. It really shouldn't shouldn't yeah. hurt Kenny because he performed that well uh, at that level. And it was, uh, he did nothing really to hurt himself. And, and listen, it'll put him back probably the line a little bit because everybody's got to fight their way to the front of the line in uh, Dana White's world. <laughs> you got you to gotta earn it, baby. You got to earn it. And they earn it. They earn it. Um, that's why... I love when they get those bonuses, you know, when they get those $50,000 bonuses, whatever they are. Yeah. I, I love it because for me, I feel the same way, you know, about my sport and uh, my all the people that I admire in my sport, boxing, but they can't make enough money. They can't make enough money. Uh, they deserve every set they get. Anyway, let's take me forward. Bring me forward. King. Next up, we had Tisha Torres, Angela Hill in a rematch. Tisha Torres got the first one. Tisha Torres gets the second one. Unanimous decision. She put it on Angela Hill all night. But the one thing I took away from this fight is, again, like I say all the time about the UFC, my God, these girls are tough. Oh, my God. They are just walking through punch bombs. They're getting hit with everything but the kitchen sink. It's, it's, it's been impressive to me. 
in particular with the women to see how quickly they've evolved. I, rem I can remember, Teddy, you probably remember as well, the first few years, this was only a few years ago, when women just started fighting, you would get like the early days of the men UFC, it would just be a one-sided beatdown and you couldn't help, it was almost hard to watch where you just look at, almost like a street fight where you're like, oh my God, someone break this up, he's had enough, she's had enough. Like when Ronda Rousey was running through people, that very rarely happens in the women's fights anymore. You know, you do see some one-sided fights, but like this fight, even when it was a one, I mean, Tisha Torres clearly won, but God, Angela Hill was tough. You feel like she was in it the whole time, just maybe a punch away from getting, turning the tide. But again, I can't stress how tough these girls are and how quickly they've evolved into like serious, serious uh, fighters. Um, yeah, listen, I don't know. Maybe you you forget, and I'm I'm gonna make sure that. Uh, your wife doesn't hear this one because we're, you know, I wouldn't want to see uh, a battle over there with your with your great wife and your beautiful wife and the beautiful children that the two of you are raising. But women are pretty damn talented, kid. <laughs> women <laughs> women are pretty damn talented and pretty damn tough. If, if you forgot, if you forgot, I don't think we could do the things they do. You know, I I, nope. I don't think we could do the things. <laughs> I wouldn't even go down that road about having kids. <laughs> <laughs> wouldn't even go down there. When my, wouldn't even go down there. When my wife... When my wife was pregnant, I used to ask her all the time, like, as she got bigger and bigger, I was like, man, are you nervous? You've got this big, giant thing in there. It's going to come out. Like, I, I, the anxiety would kill me. She's like, nah, it's just, it is what it is. It'll, it'll, nature will take its course. I was like, I'm nervous for you. I can't take it. I'm having an anxiety attack just thinking about yeah. it. People <laughs> get nervous now listening to you um, describe that. And uh <laughs> Yeah, there was never uh, never a shortage of anxiety around the pregnancy and the delivery of the children. But what a uh, what a feeling of euphoria to see them when they're uh, finally out in the world, breathing on their oh own. Oh my god! My god! That's that. No feeling like it. No, that's the miracle of life. That's the miracle of life. And yep. If you can have children, uh, you're very, very, very blessed. Very blessed. Uh, and you know, it. You get reminded of it. And you should be reminded of the blessing of it every day uh, when you look at them, no matter what size they are, how big they've gotten, <laughs> you know. And then, and then if you're really, if you're really good, well, I'm not saying I was good, so maybe I'm just blessed, but uh, <laughs> then you get a chance to do it again with grandchildren where it's a whole yeah. different experience. Uh, oh my goodness, I can't even begin but the grandparents out there will understand what I mean by that special gift. And someday, uh, God willing, you'll understand it too. It's a whole different kind of gift because now you get to love them and see them and you get to kind of make adjustments, if you will, from when you were a parent and you were under the gun and you were just worried about things and just trying to raise them the right way and you're, and, you know, you're, you're moving 100 miles an hour with so many things in your mind to take care of them, to feed them, to make a living for them, to make sure they're safe, to, to do all those things. And sometimes, you know, that old saying, you don't take a minute to smell the roses, you know? You, you don't quite, quite. You try your best, and you hope you do, but you might miss a few moments while you're working and doing things. I remember I was away in camp and, you know, training fighters, and, and you know, my daughter would, 
my daughter would I'd call home and I'd be gone for two months and the first thing I could hear in the background saying I don't want to talk to him I want to see him I want to see him I want him here and it would just break your heart and so you know, you're, you're always looking back, what could I have done better? What could I, uh, you try to do the best you can, but then you get this blessing and you're blessed with your children they, as I'm blessed. Uh, my wife, thank God for her, you know, that we raised such beautiful kids and just, just great kids. They're successful, but more importantly, they're successful as people, as good human beings. And then you go and you get grandchildren. Oh, and then you get to love them and do all the things that maybe you you didn't take a minute to 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 do or that you forgot to do or that you want to do again. And you get to do all of that, and then you get to give them back at the end of the day <laughs> <laughs> and say, "Here, you here, well, you here. Change the diaper. Um, there, there's some <laughs> there's some poo poo in here. Change the diaper. Uh, do the disciplining." Do whatever you got to do. I love you. I'll see you later. So it's a gift. <laughs> well, you know what? One thing, one experience that I got to um, have that not a lot of people do is um, adopting a child. And uh, I will tell you, a lot of people have asked me about this, so I don't know if anyone listening can take anything away from this. But when you adopt a child, to me, when they handed her to us, same exact feeling I had when they handed me my sons when they came out of my wife. Same exact feeling like the minute she was handed to me, it was like she was just born for the first second. We adopted her at um, roughly six weeks old in Ethiopia in a little tiny orphanage down in the south part of Ethiopia in Awasa. Oh, my God, it was awesome. It was the same kind of like emotional experience like having boy, having my my biological children. And uh, so if anyone's out there thinking about adoption, it's it, to me, it's like the greatest thing, it's like having your own children. It's just it's a miracle. And I've met her. I've seen her and we've talked over the camera and stuff. And um she's a she is quite a young lady you guys are, she's a beautiful young lady and all your children are you guys are doing a good job i hate to i hate to be throwing this <laughs> kind of credit <laughs> to you but um both of you <laughs> they, you guys are doing a great job and you know what just to finish on that point uh that i touched on earlier what a blessing it is if you're fortunate enough to be able to have children but what a blessing it is if you're fortunate enough to adopt children what a blessing that is yeah. and you just you just made a good point with that. Uh, even if you don't have children or can't have children, uh, you you have a chance to have children uh, to be able to go out and there people and people recognize. Sometimes people will say to me, "Oh, you did this for her. Yes, what you did for her. Like she did more for me than I did. F than than uh, she did more for me than I did for her. I, I, you could make the argument that selfishly, should I adopt? Should she be in Ethiopia living? Like did I deviate from her?" the course that God had for or whatever. So it's a, I, I only say this so when people see someone who's adopted, like, I didn't do anything for her. I, I We did something for each other. It's, it's This is a, you know, this is a family thing. I don't feel like I saved her. She was, she would have been good where she was. I just, you know, there's a lot of emotions that go into it. But anyway, I digress. No, it's, 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 it's It's a miracle. It's a blessing. It's, it's I would, I'll leave it. I'll say it this way. I'll say me. it this way. You, you don't say it. I'll say it. You saved each other. Yes. You, yes. you saved each other. And that, that's, a, that's, that's great. That's, that's beautiful. And that's life. Life comes in many yes. different waves. 
many different ways. And um, like I said earlier, you could be blessed to be able to biologically have a child or you could be blessed to go out there and adopt a child. Either way, it's a blessing. Um, it's just a great thing. And we started this whole conversation because of Tories Hill. And I will now give you my breakdown on that fight. First of all, when you started talking about how tough women are, I I know that what inspired that that vein of thought was listen, Torres, both of them are tough, but it was Hill. Because Hill was so darn game. I mean she she lost the fight, um, but she was so game. She never gave in. She kept coming all night long, trying to get to it. And Torres was just better balanced uh, overall. Uh, she was so diverse uh, with counters, uh, getting off first, mixing it up. Once in a while, she would counter punch. Once in a while, she beat it to the punch. Uh, and she used her legs to set it all up. Good movement, no wasted movement. Every bit of her movement was based on something that she could be productive with, efficiency. Every bit. A lot of times you see fighters, women or men, you see them, Ken, where they waste a lot of movement. They're just moving. They're just moving for the sake of moving, but they ain't doing nothing with the movement. She was creating defense and offense at all times with her movement. And as I said, Hill was so game, so tough, but... One thing that, hey, this is my job. I have to point it out. Uh, she's very predictable. That that was her downfall, you know, and I think I touched on it right from the beginning is that Torres was just more diversified, you know, more well-rounded. And uh, Hill, Hill was one-dimensional and predictable, and Torres took advantage of that. Uh, and during that fight, I think during that fight, my man... I want to once again thank my man, our producer, Rob, who's always in the background. Uh, he was getting my tweets up, Ken. I don't know if you were following him. Uh, I see them all. He was, I'm, uh, you're the man. You see everything. <laughs> and they were putting them up. And, uh, well, Rob was putting them up. And all of a sudden, it's always it's funny. You know, I've been around this business, not the MMA business, but the fight business over, you know, going on 50 years. And I... St you still get a little kick when I see them post your, the tweet on, on the screen. You know, uh, <laughs> I was like, hey, Rob, you see, I was like a little kid. You know, a lot of people <laughs> don't see me as a little kid, you know. I was like, Rob, do you see they posted, they posted, a, they, <laughs> they posted our tweet, you know. It's like, uh, give me, you know, give me a cupcake, you know. I, I, I did. <laughs> gold star. Give me a gold star, baby. Um, yeah, but listen, uh, terrific performance. Terrific heart by Hill, uh, determination, resiliency, never, never, never give in, but uh, just great overall performance by Torres. I, I was impressed. I was impressed. Yeah, congratulations to her. Um, next up, we had uh, Michael Chiesa coming off four wins in a row in the welterweight division against Vincente Luque, who's coming off three wins in a row. And... Uh, 
Yeah, Vincente. Look, I was watching it with my kids. It's funny. They had that scramble there where Chiesa, I think Chiesa had a takedown. Uh, it looked like he had maybe Luque's back. I forget. the sc They scrambled, and Luque locked in that Darius choke. And I said to my son, said the youngest one said, oh, daddy's going to choke him. I said, no, Chiesa's a wrestler. You're never going to get a wrestler to tap. It's very, very hard to get a wrestler to tap from a choke, especially that kind of choke. And he just kept turning in that, you know, there were a lot of technicalities there that I don't profess to know. But he kept turning his body into me, finally got the right angle and tapped him. I was quite shocked. And it was an excellent reversal because for a minute it looked like Chiesa was working towards the submission. And boom, Luque reversed it on him, got that Dars choke. And awesome, awesome performance, awesome win for Luque and a closely, closely matched guys. How'd you like that one? Well, the first thing that I just got out of that is that your son no knows more about grappling than you two uh, you know, <laughs> no so, doubt yeah, yeah so that's the first thing we got to make sure we put that out there uh listen <laughs> what i say to your point what you were seeing was let's not forget what pre what precluded that what what came before that was you had chiesa it looked like he had luke you know probably about 70 80 percent of a of a grip, you know, but it, it you know it looked like he had him in a pretty good grip, a pretty good uh, submission hold or possible submission hold, but that was the one you would have been right with your commentary to your son. Say no, 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 son. He he doesn't have him. If your son had said that, he didn't say that because he, he, your son's he didn't too have smart. that arm under the under he didn't the have chin, it under but the he chin. had it. Oh. But he had it across the chin, and I can tell you from the little bit of grappling I've done, oh, my God, the pain. It feels like your jaw's going to come off your face. It's so painful. So, But, yeah, you, to, 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 to get a guy in the UFC to tap from, a, uh, from that kind of grip across the face is very, very difficult. No, it is. Maybe some but, heavyweights can do it. No, but, again, that's what made this so interesting. It made me say, wow, because Chiesa had Luque first. In that, you know, again, not under his chin, but he had him in a in a pretty formidable position for. But Luke, boy, you turn about, you talk about turning the table quick, bam! I mean, he turned the table on him quick. First round submission. Uh, again, I was like, wow, because uh, one second you got Luke, you know, they're on the mat, you know, and Luke's in some trouble as I just described. Uh, with Chiesa, you know, had that choke on him. Uh, as you said, as we both said, not 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 a full, not under the chin, but he had him in a pretty damn good position. But the thing that really, really impressed me was Luque, how calm he was. Never panicked, calm and smart. You know, he, he showed his cleverness. He showed that he knows what the hell he's doing down on that, that mat. And um, like a magician. And I think I even tweeted that uh, for Rob to put up. No panic, just like a magician. He suddenly switched positions with Chiesa. He flipped over, made a brilliant move. I mean, it was just a brilliant move to get position on Chiesa and then submit him. Uh, it, it, was, it was very quick. It was dynamic. It was explosive. It was sudden. But it was impressive. It was every impressive, every bit as impressive if they had gone 15 minutes, you know, three five-minute rounds full instead of, you know, getting it done in less than one round. I was, I was very, very uh, 
quite a turnaround of fortunes uh, right in front of you. And I was so impressed with, with Luque. Yeah, he looks he looks real good. He's definitely got the goods, so it'll be curious to see what's next for Luque. That brings us to the co-main, all-Brazilian action. Uh, Jose Aldo, Pedro Munoz, both at kind of a crossroads. Uh, Aldo's 1-3 in his last four, obviously a legend of the sport. Two fights back, he lost a, t- a title fight to Peter Jan. Uh, Pedro Munoz, 1-2 in the last three, battle at bantamweight. Um, Jose Aldo gets the unanimous decision. Um, tough fight. What'd you think? You know, I'll tell you, this is where I went with that one. You never, and I've said this many times, Ken, never ever count out an old former champ that on one given night he gets it together. And he, you know what? He brings it all back. And, he reminded me, Aldo I'm talking about, obviously, of Holyfield. Everybody thought Holyfield was shot. A lot of people thought Aldo was shot. They thought he was shot. They thought he was done, finished. You know, a great fighter, legend, legend. But his time had passed. And just like Holyfield, oh, his time had passed. You know, he's, he, better have, uh, he better have, you know, Good medical insurance when he fights Tyson. Really, that's I mean that's what people thought. Let's be honest. We we'll always call it as it is on this uh, show. We try to anyway. And what did Holyfield do? Uh, he showed that a great former champion on one given night sometimes can get it all together. Listen, sometimes it is gone. It's physically gone, but sometimes it's not. And obviously, it's not. And it was not Faldo. Uh, just, just tremendous. Uh, the the legend lives. The legend lives on. Uh, to get it back together the way he did. Uh, I tell you, I was very interesting first round because Moonhouse was busy, but there was just great patience displayed by Aldo. You know, not making any mistakes and being deliberate and smart, obviously, uh, and countering. I mean, that's that's what he did. So, a lot of some people thought Munoz won the first round. I thought Aldo won the first round, close, because it depended on what you liked. Did did you like the busyness of Munoz or the deliberateness, the calculated deliberateness? of Aldo which did you like and so a lot of people I'm sure liked um, the busyness if you will of Munoz and I went the other way but either way very interesting first round very close and then the second round wow that's where Aldo separated himself you know that's where the experience kicked in Uh, the championship experience he uh, he started picking his spots and really separated himself in a fight. As I said, used every bit of that experience, that great, great experience. So smart, so smart, um, and so patient, and so sharp. He was so yeah, sharp. Was say. A, brilliant, a brilliant mix of defense and controlled offense. I'll say it again. It deserves being said again for me. Brilliant mix of defense and controlled offense. Not just out there spray painting. 
You know, he was he was painting a masterpiece. He was stroke by stroke, stroke by stroke. You know, this this was no uh, this was no finger painting. This was no just splattering stuff on it. No, know. this was not a Jackson Pollock, more like a Monet. This was not graffiti, baby. And listen, graffiti's <laughs> beautiful. <laughs> because I don't want those graffiti uh, people coming after me. You know what I mean? They might don't let don't let Eric Hayes hear you, the no, greatest no. graffiti artist of all time. Now, now, fine artist. I'm, I'm listen. He could do it all. Obviously, uh, <laughs> talking about versatility. There it is. There it is. Being well rounded. <laughs> there it is. I appreciate all greatness. All greatness. But the point I'm making is that he was he was very defined, very specific about what he did. He being Aldo. And again, uh, he just just such a such a great performance. He puts himself. He was out of the mix. That's two wins in a row. He's back in the mix. He's right back in the mix. And I'll finish it by saying this, Ken. He's the poster child for that old adage. And I think I I think I put this tweet up there too. But like a good wine. He gets better with age. I mean, he he should probably put that on a shirt when he walks in. Uh, when he walks into the octagon the next, I don't think they're allowed to wear anything. I think they have very strict rules about that stuff, right? Only venom. You're right. Yeah. Only venom gear was 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 Reebok. Anyway, welcome back, Mr. Aldo, and for all the people out there, never. The moral of this story from Teddy. Never count out a former champion. Never. Because they might come back and behave like a champion again. Well, Teddy, before we get into the main event, let me give a quick shout out to uh, one of our favorite sponsors, Athletic Greens. They've been there with us from the beginning, Teddy. They've gotten us through COVID. They got us through a training camp. They've done it all. I love this stuff. I know I sound like a broken they record. They get me through a podcast been- with you. That's all. That's all. <laughs> That's all I say. I had to throw that in. All the energy you need. These guys spent 10 years with top nutritionists and doctors to create this formula. It's made from 75 whole food sourced ingredients. It's got vitamins, minerals, prebiotics, probiotics, and antioxidants. Again, during COVID, it's been like an insurance policy for my body's health and immunity, especially if you're out there grinding, which I know most of the fans are. If you're out there working all day or training, whatever it is, you got to make sure you're getting your vitamins and minerals, even if you're not eating the healthiest diet. At the very least, Athletic Greens will make sure you're getting what you're not getting if your diet isn't the healthiest. Special offer for our listeners, Athletic Greens is giving 10 travel packs free with your first purchase. So whether you're looking to boost your energy levels, support your immune system, or address gut health, Athletic Greens is the way to go. Simply visit athleticgreens.com atlas to claim the special offer of 10 free travel packs with your first purchase again athleticgreens.com slash atlas a-t-l-a-s and take advantage of the offer thanks to athletic greens teddy main event Derek lewis coming off four wins in a row he's in with cyril gone who comes in at nine and oh they're fighting for the interim title that alone is a bit controversial, as we know, with Derek Lewis just winning the, uh, sorry, with um, our man Francis Ngannou just winning the title, you know, but <laughs> the UFC, you do things one way, their way, and if you don't, 
There's an interim title three months later. So nevertheless, Cyril Gunn gets the knockout win over Derek Lewis. Um, he was the favorite coming in. Third round stoppage. He put it on Derek Lewis. And you know, with Derek Lewis, even when he's getting pummeled, he's come back from that position so many times that I think he takes some extra shots there at the end because he has that reputation. But uh, my God, what a, what, a, what a fight. These heavyweights, they always bring the heat. And uh, congratulations to Cyril Gan. Goes on undefeated. He'll probably face the, the uh, Cameroon nightmare, Francis Ngannou, next. How'd you like that main event? I found it um, very interesting. I First thing I have to say in breaking it down is that and no knock. Again, we don't knock. We don't this. We don't do that. We just speak the truth. We speak what we feel, what we believe. And I speak what my, well, what my judgment from all the, the experience in fighting, in the fighting world, tells me, especially in the striking world. I don't try to go on the mat. You know, uh, I leave that to, um, to the brilliant people out there that do a brilliant job uh, every week uh, with UFC. Brilliant job. But uh, the first thing I have to that hits me is Lewis is like Deontay Wilder, one-dimensional. You know, he's got that Thor's hammer, uh, the right hand. You know, uh, it's a great eraser. Uh, he wasn't able to get to the chalkboard Saturday night. He wasn't able to get to the chalkboard and do any erasing, you know. Uh, as he has many times in the past. But uh, he's a one-dimensional guy. Uh, you take that away from him, he has problems. He's, he, it, it shows. Same thing with Wilder. Same, I mean, that was shown against Fury. You know, when he couldn't land that big right hand, he had a problem. You know, when he was backed up and he couldn't be the guy, the man, the bully, whatever you want to call it, whatever you want to call it, whatever you're comfortable with. But when he wasn't able to be that, he had a problem and uh, because he had nothing else to go to. Lewis had nothing else to go to. Uh, he's, you know, he's crude. I, I'm not knocking him. Again, he's a strong, tough guy. He's got a win over the current world champion, Ngannou. He does have a win. I know it was a snooze fest, but he has a win over him, uh, he being Lewis. And, uh, but... He he's undeveloped in in a lot of areas other than the area that is kind of as I say, God given, nature given, whatever you're comfortable with. But I always say punches are not made; they are born, and he has that. He was born to be a puncher, but he comes up short in other areas, and it showed. And uh, you know, I always say that it's not enough to have power; you also have to you need a delivery system to get that power to the target. Uh, and he didn't have that delivery system. You know, I've said this, you've heard me say this many times, Ken. Uh, it's like a bomb. You know, you need a missile to get it to the target. You know, otherwise, obviously, the value of it is diminished. And Lewis just didn't have that delivery system, that missile, if you want, to get it to the target. Uh, to the credit of, uh, I want to touch on Nagano for a second here because I thought about him doing a fight uh, because to me he was at one time he was kind of in the same kind of ballpark as Lewis 
He really was, and I think the fans out I there. I wouldn't say kind of. I well, would say they were almost a dead ringer well, for each other. I appreciate it, and and yeah, I, I, I yeah, that's that's they were. I mean, they both were sort of undeveloped in some areas, but not in the area of power and and heart. And um, what tough, yeah, exactly. And, what tough, yeah, heart. And Derek has been in there with with uh, DC Daniel Cormier, who just like ragdolled him all over the place. But he never gave. I mean, he he he's better on the ground than people think, and he's unconventional. But he's so big and strong, he's like a street fighter. He's just like you think you have him, and he just rolls you off of him. He's both of them. They're they're dynamic. And the, no, they have that natural strength. And but they're undeveloped in certain areas. Exactly. Or they were. Yep. Well, now, now I don't say that about Engano. See, that's the interesting part, because to the credit of Engano, he was that guy. He was yep. that guy uh, until he wasn't that guy. Until he fought against in a in a rematch. Um, was was it the Stipe. rematch with Miocic? Yeah, it was yep. a rematch. Until he fought the rematch with Miocic, then he changed. Before that, he was fight. a fantastic wrestler. He oh, and and listen, probably the greatest. Well, you'll probably say what you said before. Not even probably the greatest heavyweight champ uh, in UFC history. Is that fair to say, Ken? For sure. Yeah. Oh, definitely in the conversation, as good as anyone else. Yeah, I mean, Miocic. Right now, we have to see what these other guys do. They they have the future in front of them, um, both gone and. And in Ganyu, we'll see who comes out better uh, there. But right now, as history speaks, uh, Miocic would have to be the greatest, probably, I'm sure, the greatest heavyweight champ uh, in UFC history. And for the rematch, and Ganyu, most people, a lot of pundits, a lot of experts in the business thought that Miocic would win that rematch because they thought it would be the same thing, that he would school Nganyu, that, yeah, Nganyu was big and he was strong and he had that great equalizer, that great, great eraser, as I say. But at the end of the day, Miocic would be too well-rounded, too clever, too smart, and, you know, he would disarm him. And it wasn't to be. I have to say, the one the one guy who's not an expert in the UFC world, uh, this little uh, primitive caveman over here, uh, I I did pick Nganyu. I have to say, I even uh, as the great Mickey Duffwood once said, uh, and he was one of the greatest promoters of all time in 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 uh, boxing, as he used to say, Teddy, even a blind squirrel finds a chestnut once in a while. <laughs> you know. <laughs> Uh, find, finds an acorn once in a while. You know, I think he said chestnut from London. You know, you, you, my brothers and sisters <laughs> over there in London, I don't know if chestnuts is more preferable than acorns. But that one, that one I got right, where I picked Nganyu going into that. I even did a fight plan that Rob put up. We put up, we put it together. We, we got it up there with Charlie Monahan the great Charlie Monaghan in the UFC does a great job uh, with ESPN putting all, putting together, directing all the UFC stuff. But I, the difference in that second fight with Miocic, with Nganyu, or for Nganyu, was he developed. He got better. The man got better. He, he wasn't as, 
He wasn't as crude as he had been. He had more than just a big right hand or a big left hook. You know, he had a jab. He had balance. He even counterpunched. You know, he, he had a calmness and a steadiness. And listen, some of that came just from his experience having fought and lost to Miocic the first time. You know, three, I think it was three years prior where he gained a lot of experience and he gained calmness. He, he gained the mental part of it, understanding what he was going to deal with and how to deal with it better, how to be calm in an uncalm environment, as I always say, how to be calm in the midst of chaos. There's a talent to that. And there's a need for that talent if you're going to be great in the fight world, in whether it's MMA or boxing, either one. So credit, again, to Nganyu for getting better than you know improving for the rematch with Miocic and being more than just a, a powerful guy. And that's, that's what was missing with Lewis. Because Lewis, again, was like, well, he was like Nganyu was before the second Miocic fight. Just a guy. Before he got with uh, Eric Nixick and co. and really started evolving, I think Eric and the team at Extreme Couture deserve a ton of credit, as you and I have discussed in the past about uh, Francis's involvement. And um, to your point about how big he is, I just put the picture up behind me of the time we were out in Vegas and you were moving around with Francis just to give you an idea of how big this guy is. I mean, 265 pounds ripped. Like like a like a like a receiver in the NFL, but just gigantic athletic. Human Not a receiver, tight s- end, a tight end. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but I mean, he's got the leanness though of one of those like skill players where he's just all muscles. Yeah. And uh, man, when you see him in person and you see like normal people next to him, like in that picture, you really get an appreciation of how big this guy is. So um, and he's so athletic. Yeah, cr- I mean, a guy that big incredible. that can throw kicks. Wow, 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 wow. Um, listen. Uh, they've done a great job. Uh, they've done a great job developing him, and he's done a great job himself. As as he's a good human being, you know he yeah he does a lot of good things uh, over there in Cameroon. You know, giving hope uh, to a lot of the young people over there that they can be like him. They can come from difficult backgrounds uh, where you don't have much, and you can wind up with much. Uh, if if you don't give up and if you're determined enough and driven enough as Nganyu, Francis Nganyu uh, has been. So the, he the, definitely lives that life too. He's very dedicated and committed from what I've seen and no, what I know good of man. him from this. No, he's a good human being. And that's that's why we that's why we feel the way we do about him besides obviously, you know, the side that we cover which is the athletic side, but just the human side, knowing that he is, and his people around him are good human beings. Uh, I don't want to be around bad people. I don't know. I I, <laughs> I, I just, I want to try to be around good people. And um, and he's he's one of them. But the, the, the thing is that Luz needs to kind of make that transition, for me. Uh, or or uh, he's been terrific. He's, he's, listen, Lewis has accomplished a lot. Don't get me wrong. I'm not taking that away from him. And at any given night that he's in a ring, he has a chance to, just like 
Deontay Wilder. He has a chance to land that that big eraser, that difference maker. But for me, he's he's got to if he's going to have a full, more full successful career beyond what it's been. He's got to kind of do at some point what Ngannou has done and learn the things that Ngannou has learned. And again, it it just it just showed where Lewis was. Lewis was that guy with a hand grenade, but his arms were they were glued to his side. That that's the <laughs> that's the best way I can describe it. He had the hand grenade uh, ready to do damage, but he couldn't toss it. He he couldn't get it to the to the place that he needed to get, you know, to get it to, um, to that to that silo where the where the bullets were coming. <laughs> he 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 couldn't get it there, and he needed to get it there. But um, I uh, I got to talk about gone, you know, give him credit. Um, he he was just two dimensional. Too smart for Lewis that particular night. He showed it. It was brains beating brawn, right? That old saying, Ken, brains over brawn. And um, Gan had a great plan, and he executed it uh, to perfection. Uh, it started with patience, great technique, and after a very careful, cautious start, he picked up the offense. And he started to pick apart, as I said, the big, strong Lewis. And uh, from my perspective, from my, you know, from the portal that I was looking, my eyeballs, he broke, he broke Lewis down mentally and physically. And uh, it's going to be a very interesting fight when he gets in there with Ngannou. It's as I said before. I'll say it again. It's a good thing Ngannou has improved, because if he didn't improve, it might have been this, he, Gan might have done the same thing to Ngannou as he did to Lewis. Disarm him, you know, just just like the bomb squad. You know, go in there, disarm the bomb, cut the red wire, cut the green wire. No more bomb, <laughs> no more bomb. So, uh, but now Ngannou is a different guy. And he's going to have to be that guy. He's going to have to be that that full-dimensional guy that he showed in his rematch with winning the title against the legendary Miocic. Um, you know, he's as I said, he's going to need more than just uh, size and power to beat Gan. Uh, Gan is undefeated, and he's undefeated for a reason. So many people... I'll finish with this. Many people out there will say, I hear you, by the way. I feel you. I hear you. I'm always open to hearing and feeling you guys. Always. And of course, my brothers and sisters from across the pond. How you guys doing? Anyway, haven't heard from you recently. I I love you guys. Really. Miss you guys. And there's no joke coming. I know you're waiting. You know, you're waiting for, (laughs) uh, for me to drop, you know, that. No, just that's it. I'll leave it with that. I'll leave it with that. I love good I, because if they let me register for the London Marathon, I'll be over there for the Joshua oh, show uh, him Usyk love. fight oh. the Saturday before, and then I'm going to run the race the next week. But they haven't let me register yet because of COVID restrictions. So 
if the London Marathon lets me in, I'll be there the week before for that Usyk um, Joshua fight. Look forward well, to uh, seeing great. all the fans. So I, we got to be nice to them between now and then. No, so I no, get, I, uh, I won't do anything to dampen that for you. <laughs> Nothing, Ken. I wouldn't dare say anything in the next thirty seconds in any way, in any way to 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 harm that relationship and to in any way <laughs> jeopardize that and not have all our fans come out and show nothing but love to my man Ken. Nothing. I would never do that. All right. I, I love butter on the crumpets. I just say that. <laughs> I Really, the crumpets with, with just the right butter. Oh, even even that's uh, going to offend some people. Uh, I'm sure, that's that's. <laughs> I just love it with butter. You could have it different way with preserves and all that. I love it with butter. This would be my last part of this fight. Many people will say that watched the fight the other night. Hey, Teddy Lewis didn't move his hands. He didn't move his hands. You know. Uh, he didn't give himself a chance. You know, uh, you can't, it's no sense in being a puncher if you don't throw punches. You're right. You're right. I'm not arguing. What I am saying is, you know what? It's kind of hard to move your hands when you feel you can't land or that you get a good, or you can't get a good bead on your opponent who's keeping you off balance with legs and then you get, hesitant a little bit that if you throw and you miss you're going to be counted so when you're in there with a guy that clever that's keeping you off balance the way that Gon did with his legs really smart and his control of range even when he dropped his hands he knew he was out of range he knew what the hell he was doing when you're in there with a guy like that that can happen where a guy becomes really hesitant about moving his hands because A, he doesn't think he can land, he doesn't feel balanced, he doesn't feel secure in throwing a, confident in throwing a punch because of your movement and everything. And B, he feels that if I do throw, I'm going to leave myself vulnerable to a counter. I'm going to expose myself. And that, for me, that's my explanation to the people out there. And I know you're out there and I get it. I understand it. It makes sense. Why are you saying, but Lewis didn't throw punches. He didn't, he didn't do anything. Well, that's the reason why. It's because of what Gan did and what Gan didn't allow him to do or feel or think that he could land something. So um, very, very interesting, very nice performance coming out party if you will for gone a lot of people didn't know who gone was you know even though he's undefeated he hadn't been on a really big stage yet and now people know who he is and what he is and you can look forward to a very 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 interesting fight with him and Nganyu. It was a great win for um, Cyril, also a, a much-needed victory for the French, given what their marathon runner did in the Olympics. I believe you saw the clip I sent during That's, the Olympic yeah, marathon. The uh, not, French good runner, form, not good form. Terrible. French runner comes through the water station in the mix in the Olympic marathon and then took it upon himself to smack, knock down every single water bottle so the guys behind him couldn't get a fresh bottle of water. Keep in mind, 85 degrees in the marathon is... Is as hard as it gets. It, your body yeah, uses eighty percent of its way energy trying to cool itself. Way too hard to, to be running twenty six miles. Go ahead. 
to think that you would knock down the water and then grab the last one for yourself as you swipe them all down as you're running by. I, all I could think was, man, his parents and his, his country and his friends must be so proud of him. On display, the Olympic spirit, the cameras are everywhere, and you swipe down the whole bottle of water so no one else can get one. And then he had some lame excuse about, oh, I wanted them to get fresh ones because they weren't that cold. Like, man, come on. Just get the bottle and keep it moving. Like that's like outside of the outside of the boundaries of competing. You're trying to like get yourself an advantage and hurt the people behind you. It's just such bad form. So congratulations to Cyril Gan for changing uh, changing some of the press and the spotlight that was on France after that poor example of sportsmanship in the Olympic marathon. And one other thing, Teddy, that's interesting about this Cyril Gan and uh, Nganu matchup, as you know. Francis lived for many years when he was able to finally immigrate out of Africa across the uh, across the Mediterranean into Spain. Lived in Paris. He was teammates with Cyril Gan. They're uh, they're good friends, from what I understand, or well, they were good friends, and now they are. Uh, they're matching up against each other. It's an interesting, uh, interesting uh, twist of fate that two guys from the same gym in Paris would be fighting for a heavyweight world title in the UFC. Yeah, you never know. You never know. Yeah, you know where life's gonna bring you, right? What what yeah. life has in store for you, you never know. Uh, so yeah. so true. Uh, it it will be a very, very. I said it. I say it again. Very interesting match. It really will be. And, yeah. and uh, a lot up here. A lot up here. I know they're both big guys. I get it. They're both Francis big. will have 18 pounds on him. Oh, whew. Hey, listen. Lewis had how many pounds on him? How same. Same. same thing. Francis, and, Francis and Derek have to cut weight or maintain weight to get the 265, the limit for the UFC heavyweight. And I think Cyril weighed in at 147, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Um, yeah, listen. Uh as I said, it, it's not always about size, you know. It's not always about power, you know. It's, it's about other things. And Gan brings those other things. And Ganyu now has shown the capacity to understand and bring those other things. And he will have to bring them. He will have to bring them. He's the bigger puncher in this fight. There's no doubt about it. As I've, I say it again, punches are not born, uh, made. They are born. And... The guy who's the legitimate, just unbelievable puncher that you don't see too often, that kind of level of power, it's in Ganyu. It's in Ganyu in For this sure. matchup. No For doubt sure. about it. But I believe, look, at any time you can land the punch, and we've seen it, we've seen it, and it it turned things quick. It had turned things quick, no doubt about it. That's why I call it the great eraser. But I would say that you can't count on that. You can't count on that. You you better come there well-rounded, well-prepared with everything you got, with with every bullet in the, every, with a clip. You better not just have one <laughs> bullet <laughs> in that yep. chamber. You better have a clip. You better have one of those banana clips where, <laughs> you know. Yeah. And not the banana in the tailpipe, the banana clip for the gun. That's right. You know, Ram <laughs> Rambo style, baby. <laughs> hey, you know what's interesting about that? Uh, along the lines of that uh, two teammates fighting, we, uh, like you said earlier, we've got an awesome interview with Terrence Crawford coming this Thursday for uh, for the fans who who uh, appreciate uh, pound for pound greatness. And one of the things that we spoke about with Terrence was the fact that his two teammates and friends. 
uh, Jamel Herring and Shakur Stevenson are going to get in there and do battle. And, uh, man, that's a tough fight. That's a tough fight for both guys. Wiley veteran against an awesome young talent. Uh, I'm going to make a, a pick on that. First. Let me make a pick. You want my pick on that one? Go ahead. I'm not, yeah. I'm not afraid to make picks. Um, I'm going to pick Shakur Stevenson in that. And, and listen, I, I it's, it's a very interesting fight because Jamal Herring has improved. He has looked better. He looked Definitely. awesome in the Frampton fight. He looked awesome in the Frampton fight. But this guy is more rounded. Stevenson is a very well-rounded guy. Um, and he, 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 will bring those, he will bring those dimensions uh, in there. So I, I would favor him. But uh, I, I, I love Herring. I love him. That I he's do a, too. He's a former Marine. What he's done for our country, his character. I mean, I, I, I really do. I, I, I admire him. I appreciate him. Uh, and listen to the young Stevenson. He's done nothing in his life uh, to embarrass himself, you know, in any way. So good luck to both of them. It should be an interesting match. You got, you got Andre Ward, who's the manager. Uh, part of the management team, at least, of Stevenson uh, against, uh, on the other side, going against, obviously, Bud Crawford, Terrence Crawford, who's with uh, Jamel Herring in the same stable. So it, it'll be interesting on that side of it, too, the competitiveness of two world champions, Andre Ward and Terrence Crawford, and their charges, uh in the ring that night it, it, it'll be it'll be an interesting be very interesting and as you said i i i say it again and back what ken said again that you should try to watch this uh interview with terence crawford you you get to see sides of crawford that I don't think you've seen before. Yep, and he addresses the Errol Spence possibilities of that fight. I mean, we covered everything. And as an added bonus to speaking of uh, future content, we also have an incredible fight plan coming up. And um, it'll be posting probably, I guess, a week from Thursday. I think the fight is in two weeks, the 21st. Spence... Pacquiao, we did a whole fight plan at the Trinity Boxing Club in Lower Manhattan. We broke it down just in depth. And uh, that one will be coming up the Thursday before that fight. So probably what's that on the 19th, we'll post that episode. So yeah, about two weeks from Thursday. So we've got a lot of good stuff coming up. And um, I'm excited to get that one out. I think the fans are really going to like that one. I thought you did an excellent job in that one. Uh, you did too. You did too, uh, partner. And uh, <laughs> I'll just I'll finish on this. We appreciate you guys. What what else can I say? We appreciate you guys, and if if you uh, appreciate what we do, and uh, and you've shown that you do, and I and again we 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 send our love to you for that. But if you want us to keep doing this, uh, keep doing what you're doing. Keep uh, tuning in and pass the word, baby. Pass the word, please. Pass the word. It's, it's called subscription. Yep, it's free. Subscribe to the uh, podcast or subscribe to the YouTube channel. We really appreciate it. And if you want to go the extra nine yards, try some Athletic Greens using the promo code Atlas. Those sponsorships really help us a lot in terms of uh, offsetting some of the costs with producing the show, etc., etc. You guys are the best. We love you guys as always. So uh, we're here for you. Keep the comments coming. We'll try to keep providing the content you want to see and hear. 
You got anything else, Teddy? Yeah, I'll just finish on no matter what you do, you know, whatever it is you're doing, you need energy. We need energy. And Athletic Greens, as Ken said, will give you that. Even if you're doing what Ken's going to do in about 10 minutes and go out and wash your Learjet, even that takes, <laughs> no matter what it is you do, no matter what, it takes energy. And um, Ken, I know we'll take a quick shot of the Athletic Greens before he goes out there and washes those wings down. And just, <laughs> that's all. I just had to throw that in there. Love you guys. <laughs> Guys, thanks for being with us. Don't forget Thursday, Bud Crawford. You don't want to miss this one. We'll see you Thursday, and we'll be back as always next Tuesday. Take care.